Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. So today, wow, Laura's already yawning. We haven't even started yet. Sorry, I took a big yawn. It just happened. I was wondering so if you were in it. So today we are talking about the differences and the similarities between physical therapy and occupational therapy. We're also thinking maybe down the road we'll have someone who is in occupational therapy so we can just kind of discuss the differences. But today is going to be a little bit more of an informational and us just discuss. We have a list already prepared for this. Laura knows most of it, but in plain old Laura fashion, she'll tell us if she agrees and or disagrees <laughs> with the list that I have here in front of me. I have a lot of opinions, so let's just go ahead and jump into it, I guess. Let's go. Yeah. You're listening to the PT Assistance Podcast with your hosts, Ken. And Laura, thanks for joining for another exciting episode. All right, number one. So the first topic we have is the scope of practice. So Laura, would you like to tell us what scope means? So scope is, um, for those who don't know, and I'm sure most of you guys actually listening do know, but just to refresh everybody, scope is what you're allowed to do pretty much. Um, What type of treatments you're allowed to perform, um, what are you allowed to work on, all that jazz. It's okay to do what you're about to do. That's your right. scope. So the scope of practice for physical therapy, their list entails focusing on improving physical function, mobility, addressing musculoskeletal concerns, flexibility posture, and rehabilitation after injury or illness. How's that sound, Laura? Does that sound pretty spot on? It sounds pretty spot on. That last one, I I would maybe say you could max with both, or, you know, it could mesh with both because... After, for example, if you get, you know, an illness like COVID or cancer or any of that kind of stuff, you might be being seen for both, like OT and PT. A lot of times they'll overlap, guys, and we'll kind of get into that, too. Do you feel like there's a difference between, like, the stages? So thinking about rehab after injury. So if someone has a rotator cuff tear and they go get surgery... Do you think that there's going to be a stage in which they're going to go see a PT first and then an OT after? Or do you think OT can take care of all of it? Do you think PT can take care of all of it? Rotator cuff is more muscular skeletal and um, it is more gross. And we'll kind of get into this, but um, the big difference is, you know, with PT, we, we deal with the gross motor skills. So those bigger movements, the movements overall together, um, not so much of those fine dexterity movements. That's more OT. And so rotator cuff really is more into that gross motor movements. It's the larger movements. And so you, for a rotator cuff, you're not really going to go see an OT um, by really any means in any process unless there was some maybe neurological damage that intervened with the fine motor skills. But you're, you're going to stick with PT the whole entire time. Now, however, though, like say you get a stroke patient, if you have a stroke patient, there's a good chance you're going to be treating with, honestly, three disciplines. You're going to be sp- treating, we're not going into much to speech, but speech, OT, and PT. Um, and that's where a lot of the crisscrossing sometimes can get into. So let's just go ahead and jump into the list of um, OTs so you guys kind of have what So the list under. for OT for scope of practice, you have it. To address a person's ability to engage in daily activities such as self-care, work, and leisure. Mm-hmm. So these are so this this is why we wanted to bring this topic up as well is 
because at the end, we're also going to say how they kind of overlap, but they are very, very similar disciplines. They are different, but they are extremely similar. And I don't know how many times, Laura, you've been asked while practicing, but I've been asked many times what the difference between a PT and an OT is. Mm-hmm. And I think the way I got explained to it in school, and for me personally, it makes sense. Every time I mention it, People kind of look at me like I'm crazy, but when my professor said this to me, I'm like, that's a good way to think about it, is PTs help you walk, OTs help you dance. And that's just Mm -hmm. in relation to the amount of intricate movement is required in dancing versus being able just to get from one place to the other. Yeah, that goes into kind of that, and we kind of talk about it a little bit later too, of just that coordination the sensory integration of things too. Like when you're dancing, there's a lot of sensory input that's coming in that you got to integrate with those movements. Um, And so that's what kind of OT is going to focus on where us, we're going to focus on, okay, can your hip externally rotate? Can you get into the movement? Great. Do I care how smoothly you get into the movement or um, can you do it with the beat of music? No, not particularly. That's great. But again, that's going to fall more under OT. Um, I always, yeah, I always thought about it was, I like that. I like that analogy a lot. Um, I think the biggest misconception, I might just throw it out there right now, is a lot of people and a lot of old school way of thinking. Um, so I think it's still out there a little bit. We got to watch for it is definitely in more skilled nursing, I might say this, but anything upper body related is OT. Anything lower body related is going to be uh, PT. And then core can kind of get mixed with two. <laughs> um, but I don't think that's fair. Uh, again, like you were saying is, you know, OT could be dancing. If they want to get back to dancing, that's going to be under OT. Um, some of the things that we also are going to get into in a little bit have to deal with children and um, some of their emotional states and skills and all that kind of stuff. So let's go ahead and jump into those lists. Thank well, you, Well, just bef- before okay. we go to the next one real quick, so I want to bring back that rotator cuff patient that oh, I yeah. mentioned earlier. So when, so this is why I was thinking about in stages and Lorena, my way of thinking is right or wrong. It's just the way it comes to me. So you have this patient with a rotator cuff and it's musculoskeletal. Initially, you want to address their range of motion limitations, their strength limitations, but as far as one of the OT lists that they have is self-care and daily activities, for example. So let's say the patient is about needing to perform a load of laundry. Now, that's a very specific task, and which would require your rotator cuff muscles to be able to pick up laundry, rotate it from one machine to the other. Do you feel like grossly PT would still be able to take care of this? And just the strengthening aspect will be enough for them to be able to get back into that. Yeah, I do. Because, I again, I don't think as much fine skill is involved with that, within that action itself, within the rotator cuff. I want to specify that. And not, not saying that there isn't fine motor skills, but not within the rotator cuff itself. It's more stabilization. And do I think OTs could work on it? Yes. But I think overall that PTs can go from that, from the end to the get-go like I I think this is where again we kind of cross a little bit where could they necessarily do it yeah um 
but it, it's more fallen under ours. And it's the same thing, like, if you think of uh, carpal tunnel syndrome. You know, a lot of times you hear that goes more to OTs because, again, a lot of the fine movements and um, motor skills within the hands are affected because of, you know, the nerve impingement. Um, however, though, there's been places I've worked that, you know, we've worked on carpal tunnel and it's gotten better. And then there's also places or times where, you know, it's not going the way it, it should. And we refer them to OT because we think that they'll find more benefit out of it. And they have, you know, they might be a little more skilled for this more intricate one because it was more motor, fine motors than the gross movement itself. Um, so there, there's always going to be some overlapping. The one thing I hate about the way that they kind of describe the difference between PTs and OTs is you'll hear a lot of times like the the um, self-care, the skill, that kind of stuff. To me, or the, like you hear a lot, sorry, your ADLs. Like OTs are really going to focus on ADLs. PTs focus on ADLs too. We're just looking at the movement as a whole, not the fine like shifting back and forth or, you know, for brushing your teeth, are you able to grip correctly, hold it in the right position? It's more, can you get it done? In the, in the big process, can you get it done? Can you stand there? Can you get it done? Can your shoulder go up and down and tolerate that stability of brushing your teeth? So like we're going for ADLs. We're just not going for the fine movements within the ADLs. And I hate that because sometimes OTs, when people are describing it, they're like, oh, OTs focus on like the that aspect of it and PT doesn't. And it's not true. We both focus it. It's just our goal for each of the focus is slightly different, if that makes sense. And it does. And speaking of goals, that's actually our next point of topic. Mm -hmm. So that's a nice little segue into this one. So PT aims to restore physical abilities, reduce pain, the lower limb alignment, and improve strength and range of motion. How do all those yeah. sound? Pretty good? Pretty kind good. It's kind of saying what you said in a nutshell, in a way. Yeah, and I think when um when I first me and Kim were kind of kind of comparing lists a little bit and adding things in, um I said lower limb and Ken looked at me and he was like lower limb and um when I think of lower limb I think they're talking about like leg discrepancy in children, um you know how that can cause other issues down the line with again gross motor skills or gait and that kind of stuff. So um that's kind of how we took lower lower limb alignment into effect um, and then for the other half of the coin ot focusing more on enhancing functional independence self-care helping individuals perform tasks adapting to their surroundings play skills and improving their cognitive skills so like one of the things you mentioned too was like brushing your teeth so kind of like that fine dexterity of mm -hmm. being able to hold the toothbrush being able to hold utensils even Mm -hmm. That, and for me personally, definitely falls more under the realm of occupational therapy than physical therapy. Yeah, because it's not so much of when you go, think about eating, you're not so much of worried about like, oh, are you able to shoulder flexion and that kind of stuff. When you're when you're talking about eating, it's more of that fine movement of that hand eye coordination, a lot of it and that sensory integration that you're you're working on because there's a lot more input coming in to make all those movements happen. You could still technically and I think this is where the big thing is, you could still technically move your shoulder up. 
but trying to move your shoulder up and hold a spoon could throw your whole entire body off. And so combining those are more, to me, is more of like where OT is really going to get involved versus that's not as much PT. PT, you've got more of that arm up. You're moving it. Everything muscular skeletal wise is working correctly. Um, there's something else in connection wise, which again is more of those fine skills, um, aren't working. So I think that's a great way to kind of see the difference. Uh, did you want to touch on play skills? Yeah. A bit? Um, so recently, uh, I thought this was really interesting because I came across this and that this kind of started the whole thought of like going down because I didn't even realize OTs did this. Um, Granted, I don't have a kid, and that's probably why I never realized this, and I've never worked in more pediatric settings um, where there was an OT involved in this situation. But uh, I have a friend who her son uh, was having some hard times um, with his emotions, of expressing his emotions verbally and not physically, and OT actually works on that and integrating how to... how these younger kids can feel their emotions in the correct way and how they can verbalize it versus lashing out in frustration or just copycatting another kid who did something wrong. Um, again, there's not, not anything saying wrong. It's just a, it's a, another teaching tool. And so I didn't realize that. And it goes along with the same thing kind of with the play, play skills of how to play correctly and not maybe not be so rough or, you know, how to play with your emotions a little more under controlled. Um, and I thought that was a really cool skill that's out there that a lot of people don't realize is available and that OTs actually will cover. And I that's thought that actually going to and it's going to come up again, too, because under our next couple of points of interest. So things like you mentioned, like emotional and being mm-hmm. able to just deal with those regulating all that, that's going to come back up. And the more you speak about working with children, the next topic we have is target populations. And you'll mm-hmm. see how children falls under more OT almost. I wouldn't say just exactly. Like, I don't think anything fits to like a T. But Yeah, no, but you still for, see like for athletes, you're going to see more in a PT population than an OT population in most cases. Yeah, Again, so our, these are most cases, not most cases. <laughs> So yeah. OT for the target populations, just to kind of go into the next one, is more commonly used for conditions like developmental delays, mental health disorders, and sensory impairments. Mm-hmm. So a lot of what you said as far as the child going through all those things, that I feel like definitely hits more the OT side of things. While the PT side of things, they treat more conditions related to orthopedic, neurological, and musculoskeletal issues. Mm-hmm. So having a child more with Oh, wow. I can't believe I'm blanking right now. Torticollis. There we go. Uh-huh. So yeah. torticollis, I feel like, would be more physical therapy. So that's more musculoskeletal. Mm-hmm. Yep, and then an versus issue. the sensory and motor development delays. I don't. I still think physical therapy could address these, but I wouldn't doubt that occupational therapy may have be better a tools. better fit. Yeah, yeah better and tools, better gadgets, nothing... better... I, I think sometimes we can we we hate to hand over something and it's it's not that it's the same thing as like handing over to a doctor when we're like PT's not working um, or doctor handing over to us type thing because injections aren't working. So it's all about working together. And I hate when people sometimes are like, oh, well, I don't want to hand it over to OT just because 
you know, technically we can work on this too. And it's like, okay, yeah, that's great. But like, how many times do we actually treat this? Not often. Go, go to someone who's <laughs> specialized in it. Um, or if, and just you have know, yeah, better, better available either. tools, like you said. Yeah. Um, just even in physical therapy alone, when I was doing my practice, not my practicals, my rotations, I was in a neuro clinic that had specific neuro clinic tools. They mm-hmm. had sensory uh, gadgets and tests that they were able to do that I've never seen before. They had harnesses for gait and balance training. They're just better equipped to handle that target population, even within just the physical therapy community. So even if you have to, you don't, you don't even have to cross disciplines to know that someone else is better equipped to handle certain situations than you are. Yeah, exactly. And um, again, it's all about working together as a team. The only thing I would also disagree on this list is neurological um, population. I would say still falls under PT because honestly, PTs will see, I mean, sorry. Fall under PT. I was like, PT neurological, I do OT. have under PT. Oh, yes. okay. I'm I was like, PT and well, OT. Uh, I'm like double looking at my list. I was OT, like, it is. Yeah, a lot of neurological issues will also come into play with the fine motor skills a lot of the times, too. So I think, it, I think, I feel like it falls under the OT population also. So, well, going on to our next one. So we have treatment approaches. This is going to be for PT uh, techniques like exercise, orthotic management gait analysis, training, manual therapy, electrotherapy, specialized equipment to improve physical function, and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with most of those. Um, I don't think manual therapy is exclusive to physical therapy. Yeah, I would think I occupational will do some manual as well. Oh, I see it all the time. I've got OT in our clinics now. And, and then specialized equipment for PT, I think OT also has... Some fancy tools that kind of have specific. Hey, they got some nice paraffin grippers and paraffin. <laughs> yeah, sure, paraffin. No, uh, they they the, have other things like vibration tools, um, which is really cool to help us. Deal. Yeah, uh, it's to decrease um, a lot of times hypersensitivity. So they'll introduce vibration, which will help kind of again calm those nerves down, get them used to the that kind of uh, feeling and help decrease the sensitivity of the nerves too. Like a little vibrating little stick that they just literally stick near or around and you kind of just move it around and, you know, take it on and off as you can tolerate and all that jazz. Which we stole from OT and used it on my foot. (laughs) Wow. You guys are jerks. I know, right? Thanks, OT. (laughs) So OT, they use activities and exercise to improve fine motor skills, cognitive abilities, sensory integration, emotional regulation, which we talked about earlier already, mm-hmm. and adaptive techniques. And again, I don't think a lot of that skills falls specifically under OT. I feel like physical therapy can also touch on those things. So under treatment approaches, I feel like there is a lot of overlap as yeah. far as how we get things done. And again, kind of like we talked under the target populations, I feel like some people are just better equipped to handle certain situations than others. But as far as the approach, I feel like they're very similar between both. Yeah. And it, I love thinking of it this way. Um, Honestly, this came from my mom one time when we were discussing it. She goes, think of it this way. She goes, you could do the exact same um, ta- or same exercise or task with a patient. 
She goes, so say you have a patient who needs to use the restroom. You OTs are working on them actually physically doing the motion of going to the restroom, using the toilet paper, being able to wipe. Um, you know, are they able to sit on the toilet to do it correctly? Are, you know, they able to do all that kind of stuff and look at it as actually as going to the restroom as a whole. Where PT, you could do the exact same thing, but instead you're doing, um, you might be working on balance, uh, seat, sitting static balance with unsupported back. If they are, they're not leaning back, uh, you could be working on that. You could be working on transitional movements. You can work on standing balance uh, with dynamic movement as they try to pull up their pants. So you're looking more as a whole versus the fine details of like, can they grab their pants and pull it up? Um, and so I think that's like the difference really when I think about PT and OT. So like you can literally have the same activities, but just what you're targeting and what you're looking at but is your like purpose behind it. Yeah, yeah. Your purpose behind it. So I think that's like the big thing. So that's why, like, it bugs me when I hear people go, you know, OT's one thing and PT's another thing. No, we overlap a lot. And it's okay, uh, too. And before we get to our overlap section, the last one I have is the different settings that are commonly found for each discipline. So PT, you're most likely to see them. I feel like you're, like, we're in the wild and you're most <laughs> likely to encounter a physical therapist. Right? You're encountering them. <laughs> we're, we're in high population, dense areas such as hospitals, uh, clinics, sports facilities, addressing acute and chronic injuries, sports-related issues, and post-surgical rehabilitation. I feel like not all those are settings, so I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like they could have stopped at hospitals, clinics, and sports facilities. I don't know why those, the other ones almost sound like scope or goals. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know. They just wanted to add Maybe it. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> yeah, they just added it for some reason. Um, OT, again, very similar. Hospitals where I did a lot of my joint treatment with OTs. So that makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. uh, schools, a lot of that yeah. play skills, cognitive functions, cogn behavioral. So you're most like not saying you won't find a PT in a school because no, we actually know yeah. a PTA who works for a school system, but exactly. you're likely to find OTs. Uh, rehabilitation centers, community settings, and then the last one, which falls back under, I don't know why it's a setting, Focusing on helping individuals regain independence <laughs> in daily life. That, I feel and, like, is a goal, not a setting. Yeah, and me and Ken both agreed on that one can fall under both of them. <laughs> and that one could fall under both. Yeah, so we were like, yeah, we disagree with that, being under just the one. But then, going on... Oh, okay, to, sorry. Oh, did you... I was going to go to overlap unless you had something about yeah, settings. Yeah, no, that's what exactly what I was heading oh, okay, to, too. Perfect. So. Um, so, you know, we kind of talked about the differences. Now we're going to talk about, you know, what are kind of two things that are overlapping majorly, I guess. I feel say. like we already touched on things that are overlapping, but I actually have a list. So we're just going to go through the list anyways. Yeah. So the overlaps are focusing on motor skills. Mm -hmm. And so I feel again, like we get here when it's like super vague. Yeah, like motor skills. But Perfect. at the same time, like, I understand why they do it because they have fine motor skills under OT and then you have gross motor skills under PT. But in reality, you're going to have a little bit of both. Now, your target audience, like, what you're targeting, again, is going to vary. You know, um, you're going to have a little gross movement with P OT, even when you're doing those fine movements that you're looking for. 
Um, and then same thing with, you know, uh, PT, you're going to have some of the fine movements. So you're still both working on motor skills, but what you're targeting, I think is slightly different. And so that's kind of what I think they meant there. So the next one we have is hand-eye coordination. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, that goes under both. Yeah, Yeah. almost under motor skills as well. (laughs) I feel like like those kind of go hand in hand. Uh, I'm not going to make you say it, but we have motor planning and dyspraxia. (laughs) It's my word I can't say, guys, okay? (laughs) It's the word of the day that Laura can't say. (laughs) Another one. Um, Um, Yeah, so so again, Dyspraxia is motor planning. So it's just uh, inability or having difficulty to, yeah, yeah, to be able to plan your motor movements. But again, what we're looking at might be just slightly different. So dyspraxia is a common disorder that affects movement and coordination. So Mm kind of like what we just said. But I wanted to have it because I had it ready and I wanted to say it, darn it. Which uh, Uh, makes me laugh on the next one because it's coordination. It's oh yeah, it's also (laughs) what we already touched on. So they kind of go. I feel like all the overlaps overlap themselves. Yeah, (laughs) right. And the last one is balance, which I feel like could still kind of go through motor planning and dyspraxia as well, because you're going to have a hard time with coordination and balance if you have dyspraxia. So, yeah, but overlaps overlap. Is a little more proprioception versus. Whoa, balance are made up three things. I'm not going to make you say them because I don't want to put you on the spot, and we're very tired. Balance <laughs> are made up of our somatosensory, which are our mm-hmm. muscles. It's made up of our vestibular, and uh-huh. it's made of our vision. Uh-huh. All right, pop quiz. As we're an adult, which one takes over? Uh, your visual. As a child, which one takes over? Uh, Trick question. They're all even. I was about to say, I don't think one does. <laughs> Fine. But you as know an what? adult, let's, let's, that's why. Let's get why. specific, Laura. It is vision. You are correct. But what percentage? I'm digging Dude, deep. Dude, I didn't I work in neuro. <laughs> I, oh, I didn't learn this in neuro. I learned this in school. Oh, Dude, okay. That was like... Besides, I feel like textbooks ago. might be different anyways, but yeah. the number is well, 80%. The, okay, that makes sense, honestly. But um, the thing is, is balance, like you you definitely are working on both, but I definitely think it's it's different at the same time. Um, so yeah, so I think those all, again, match up great uh, with the overlay. So just always remember that, like, just because, you know, if PT and OT are kind of working on the same area or region doesn't mean that necessarily you guys have the same goals. And that's where it's important that your PT or um, PT who's overseeing and the OT are in communication of kind of what their goals are going to be. And that way they can kind of sit ones that match, but not overlay or contradict each other too, if you're working on the same area. So at least my last finishing statements were just to talk a little bit about my experience working with OTs. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you've worked with OTs as well. (laughs) A lot Um, lately. (laughs) But if you listen to, we have an acute episode, I believe, that we released quite a bit ago. But I talked about how my rotation was in an inpatient hospital acute center, and we did co-treatments with occupational therapists. And just like Laura said earlier, where there's this mentality of a divide between PT takes care of the lower body and then the OT mm-hmm. takes care of the upper. And this would be the case when we did co-treatments. We did lower, they did upper. But when we didn't do co-treatments, I, we would do everything. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we can't cross that realm, but for documentation's sake, 
And yes. for treatments, we did do different things, even though we were in there at the same time. Mm-hmm. And to get to more like even specifics, uh, we would be there more when they need transfers. OTs usually wouldn't be there for that. They could be, but typically physical therapists would be there. And when it came to lunchtime, occupational therapists would typically be there, not physical therapists. Oh, yeah. They would always call dibs at lunch on a patient. So those are just, that's the treatment approach difference as far as occupational and physical therapists. We want to get them moving. We want to get them safely from point A to point B. And then the occupational therapist, like, I need you to be able to take care of yourself by being able to feed yourself. And they would have all these fancy little toys to make sure they had good grip and can get from the plate to their mouth. Even though we're seeing the same patient, we're there for different reasons. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, too, is, like, be in communication with your OTs around. Um, So I've worked in skilled facilities with them, skilled nursing facilities, and I've also worked in outpatients with OT. And we've had a couple overlapping patients. Um, we have one who's going in, an outpatient who is really his, it's his wrist. We don't really do much with his wrist, but we keep in communication with uh, the OTs to see what they're doing. Because at the same time, like we're working on his shoulder and his cervical. But if we hand him a weight, we want to make sure that, you know, we're staying kind of within the realm of what they're trying to accomplish too and not overdoing something or, you know, um, you know, if they're having issues with that, finding some different route. Now, same thing with when you're working in a skilled nursing facility, talk to the OTs. Because, like, say you walk into a room and a patient's like, oh, I, I need to use the restroom. And you know OT's got a goal for that. Then you know they haven't seen the patient for the day. You might be nice enough and, like, be, be like, hey, so-and-so wants to use the restroom. Uh, do you want to take them? And, you know, that again, that's the, what's best for the patient at that point, too. And you can go see someone else. Now, I know it doesn't always ideally work out that way. But, you know, that also, if you don't want to take a patient to the restroom, that is a great way to hand it off. So It's funny, like, like the way you said it is so casually, and I, I'm comple- I'm, I understand completely because <laughs> for us, that is casual conversation like oh yeah they need to go to the restroom yeah you want to go take them like yeah (laughs) and for those who work in acute and inpatient and skilled nursing facilities that's a normal conversation for people who work in outpatient strictly and don't want to assist in wiping the behind of a patient you're like absolutely not how did you just casually just bring that into conversation yeah so it's just it's just the difference of settings you said it and and for me it was no big deal but it, it would it definitely trigger, I'm sure, some people be like, oh, absolutely not. Hey, that's why Hell I know no. people who legit don't work in hospitals or in uh, skilled nursing because they go, I don't want to wipe anybody's behind. And I hate well, to it's funny when I got when I got sent to, to acute care, my classmates would text me and be like, so have you done it yet? Have you done it yet? Have you done it yet? And I'd be like, I will not confirm or deny that said actions have or have not taken place. <laughs> You're like, yeah, they have. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, I still will plead the fifth or the fourth. Yeah, it's happened. I've heard, I've heard story, guys. And the second. It's happened. Yeah. No, but uh, so I've we'll literally know people there. who don't want to do that. So it's pretty funny. So that will wrap it up for today's episode. So again, 
um if anybody does know maybe a coda perhaps we would love to have them on just to have a mm -hmm. casual conversation as far as the differences between our field and their field and for now just thank you so much for listening be sure to check out our instagram where we post the most of our content and where the where the most active don't forget to check out our youtube channel as well we appreciate every single one of you guys listening and we will catch you guys next week all right guys till next time